Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, it is I, a demon, Holden McNeely, and I need you to play best song in the world, or I'll eat your soul. Well, me and Holden, we looked at each other, and we said... Okay, <laughs> and we played the first thing that came to our head. Just so happened to be the best podcast in the world. This is not the greatest pod in the world. No, this is just a tribute. Couldn't remember the greatest pod in the world. No, no, this is a tribute. Oh, uh, hey, listen, it's me, Jake Young, talking here. The work that Jack Black has done for fat guys, <laughs> really just like landmark, just fantastic. He paved the way. And, you know, as he evolved from like class clown to weird stoner buddy to uh, America's favorite cool uncle has just been a fantastic legacy. But we're not here. To talk about Jables. <laughs> no, we're talking about the unit. We're talking about the force of nature. Yeah, we're talking about Cage and Jables together, fully united. Rage Cage, Jables, JBKG. Uh, it's, is, are we doing a bit right now? Do we actually like them this much? I kind of actually like them this much, which makes the they're the best band in the world joke a weird metaphysical a paradox. I don't even know. I, I, I like this little pairing we've got going, Jake, because, you know, uh, I was really excited to know. First of all, I was just excited going into this episode. I really, really appreciate Tenacious D. Really wanted to, like, explore them more because I have not fallen into the to the Jables rage cage hole that you fell into so gratefully and graciously back when that self-titled album was hitting oh and, and everything was going on with the alt comedy scene. And I was a Mr. Show guy. I was a Jack Black appreciator, fan of high fidelity. I think when it came to Tenacious D, personally, I literally think I, I avoided fully becoming a fan of theirs out of sheer jealousy. <laughs> Out of sheer just, they just were doing exactly what I wish I could be doing with like comedy and music and ridiculous, you know, just a ridiculous joke act that's also kind of real playing in front of massive audiences, just crushing it. You know what I mean? Uh, And so uh, for me, this was a great, great excuse to dive in Mm -hmm. and really explore the D. And really, really get get to know the just the sonic offerings that Tenacious D 
graces us with uh, with these uh, few albums they've put out, you know. But you, Jake, you bestow me with the knowledge, bestow me with what it was like to be h- h- listening to this music at the perfect time, at the perfect age, <laughs> fully a fan. Uh, wh- wh- how did it go down for you? How did you discover them? All that hit me with that gush, Jake. I mean, it just was the right time at the right place because obviously. Uh, you know, Jack Black was in a bunch of movies by that point, and you know, I you appreciate his nerdy, excitable, boyish energy. Uh, you know, I, I there's a uh, if you look at his like trademarks in um in on IMDb, it's like known for playing slovenly infantile boy men, <laughs> and I'm like, well, as a slovenly infantile boy man myself, I resonated with a lot of those roles. hundred percent. They even listed his like a very uh, trademark tenacious D style, where he starts real soft and then he gets faster. And now, baby, he's yelling stuff. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> like it's 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 just a very infectious thing. His physicality on stage, all very good. But that original album. Uh, produced by the Dust Brothers, uh, released in 2001. Yes. It was just a bombshell because literally, like, every single track was, like, juvenile, like, Gen X-level stoner comedy where just referencing weed was the joke. Uh, The uh, skits in the middle, such, like, uh, the inward singing one. Yes, that was (laughs) great. There's, like, a moment... Like that whole part. And then at the end when he gets frustrated and at one point Jack Black just yells like, fucking fuck, fuck you, fucking cock chaos. (laughs) Like just the words cock chaos. Just again, sophomore, sophomore in high school, dying laughing. Uh, The drive-thru sketch, like junior bacon cheese, junior bacon cheese. Like every single track is its own sketch it's its own piece of business because they started doing these like sketch shows and comedy shows in these kind of converted bars and cafes like small independent venues that um it's just the perfect setup where you see two dudes in shorts with acoustic guitars and you're like all right here comes some like goddamn analog simon and garfunkel ass shit and like immediately you realize something's different. Like from the second they opened their mouths, the subvert, like the expectations have been subverted. There's Jack Black like going fucking crazy. And then there's Kyle playing this beautiful like guitar. Uh, every time he harmonizes, he comes in with like this sweet high note and harmony. And like he's just feels so normal and grounded that like this difference in energy just like resonates in a way that is so fucking funny. And uh, I just I just really, truly appreciate it. Not to mention the fact that the music videos that accompanied yes, that original album. Yes, I think album, that is a stronger memory. The Wonder Boy album. Wonder Boy tribute. I think those really popped. Even Fuck Her Gently, uh, as created by a very canceled <laughs> animator, John Chris Felusi, uh, was super, like, that was like a flash animation. You had to load that up in Netscape. <laughs> and I remember all of my friends were, like, learned all the words to Fuck Her Gently. <laughs> 
I'm not going to cook it, but I'll order it from Zanzibar. <laughs> like, just so fucking funny. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't even know they had a show on HBO or that they were involved with Mr. Show. I watched Mr. Show, like, years after the fact on DVD. Oh, my God. The Joke, the Musical. Jack Black in The Joke, the Musical mm-hmm. is one of my favorite comedy music things. But also, you know, him and I think the first time I ever saw him before I heard Tenacious D was probably High Fidelity. Yeah. Uh, which he, you know, really stole the show in that movie, and that is a movie I loved uh, when I saw when I first saw. Oh, it. you didn't? I mean, technically, you probably saw them together first in Biodome, true, and didn't even realize it was them because it was so years before they actually had an established following. Yeah, they 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 got in on that movie because the director was like a college friend of, I believe, Jack Black. <laughs> so it was like a weird early. Uh, t- tele, you know, on-screen mm-hmm. role rather, or on uh, random but- episodes of Friends and Seinfeld. There's like <laughs> Kyle Gasson's like one-line roles where right. just the joke is, "Look at this affable bald fat man." Yeah. So I think the thing that really inspired me, the, uh, that I, you know, I definitely subconsciously, if not fully consciously, t- took from them is is that commitment, is that total commitment to the role of rocking hard. Definitely in the cowman. I knew I wanted to like really full on commit to a character and stay in that character and like just go so hard. And even though, you know, because I always say I always felt like I was pretending to be a front man in a band mm-hmm. really the whole time I was. And that's kind of what I love about them. It's like these guys are play acting like they're in a metal band. There's these two dudes on acoustic guitars and they're like pretending that they're the greatest fucking rock and roll band ever or or, or at least they're the whole ro- the whole comedy is like they're so delusional that but then at the same time they it's do like all the drugs they yeah, fuck exactly. all the chicks they like yeah they they're, they're these superhuman gods and it goes so contrary to like to everything they look like yeah. and and I love too that like all the we we watch a lot of concert footage together and stuff they're always in like t-shirts and shorts and like there's never a commitment to aesthetic, which is so is so great for the bit mm-hmm. because. But then they really do rock the fuck out. So then you get lost in it. You're like, wait a second, are they the best <laughs> band in the world? Like, are they maybe the greatest band that's ever existed? So it it yeah, it's this really kind of funny um, contradiction contrast, and that's what comedy a lot of times is is just opposites, right? Schlubby guys rocking so fucking hard. I mean, that's it right there, you know. But but it captures the it captures this spirit of every single kid in their garage or rehearsal space or whatever, first striking out in a band with a group of guys, and you're playing this music and it's rocking so fucking hard in your head at least. Mm-hmm. This probably sounds like absolute trash. And you all decide, like, hey, we might actually be the best fucking band that ever existed. And we're about to rock the faces off of this, like, battle of the band talent show at our local mall of what this weekend. You know what I mean? I mean, and- even their first, even tribute is just, imme- it's literally the core gag is like, Bro, you gotta believe us. Like, yeah. I mean, I know we lost the record. Like, we don't remember, but like, it was really fucking cool. Yeah, and that's so. That's such a visceral, amazing, like raw thing that uh, uh, you know. I think I've, if you've ever been in a band or anything, I mean, you've you've experienced that before. You're like, wait a second, we re- we're gonna f- take over the world. You know what I mean? And I really did think about that in my Lemon of Troy in my band in high school. I was like, we're the we're 
we got something here. <laughs> and uh, and then on top of that, amazing insights. I think the other thing that resonated for me that obviously, uh, or, or not obviously to our listeners, but obviously uh, I say that resonated with Jake because we were talking before the this started of, you know, when you're in a thing with your buddy and you guys are like a team and you're going to make this thing happen and and it's all about the band and then one of the team starts getting really successful in a in a different way and not the band and mm-hmm. and then that other person's kind of left high and dry and and trying to be really really happy for their friend and at the same time insanely jealous or resentful that that they can't spend as much time on the band and you know for me personally i have majorly experienced that that is a massive massive you know with murder fist and Everything and even kind of roundtable, you know, as the boys uh, became insanely successful with the last podcast, like, and you've got to like do this kind of huge mental gymnastics a little bit to actually stay purely, truly happy for your friend's success and and like stay in your lane and like keep keep forging ahead and and not like implode, you know. And Kyle Gass obviously dealt with that with Jack Black, Hollywood Jack. Uh, making it big and in movies and stuff, which also and Kyle Gass wasn't just a musician; he was an actor, is an actor, and had aspirations for that as well. So it's not like he's even Jack Black is succeeding in a way that Kyle Gass didn't have aspirations for, you know. Right. And then especially, and then here's the other thing: when you put all your ducats into like this one big thing, in their case, uh, the pick of destiny, uh, and it's like this is our big project, this is going to be it. We're going to like put this out, and then we're going to be just Hollywood's just going to come a knocking and. And it's going to be amazing. And then that falling flat and having to like take that L and move forward. You know what I mean? And the D takes the L mm. and and the D does uh, rise like the Phoenix uh, after many years. But it involved a lot of different things. It involved some rehab. It involved some, you know, some uh, stepping away from the D. And uh, they were able to persevere. And I think it's really beautiful. Uh, just so many really touching beautiful elements to their story at least specifically to me um and i hope you uh the listener the layman as it were would also feel that way you layman it their entire journey is such a macrocosm for a very specific kind of like weird stoner uh-huh. dude friendship yep. where like there is a period of time where you just spend every waking hour with this person. You build up this library, this universe of in-jokes, like this unique vocabulary between each other. And the just journey they had, like taking that with they taking what they had together in like dank apartments, just smoking bongs and like goofing around, and then putting it out into the world, having reached dizzying heights and lows. And now they're they tour like giant festivals. They pack stadiums like they are. The, the joke is like not even a joke anymore. They're a genuine rock Dude. like l- legacy. Can you describe that German that German music festival we watched? It's so funny. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just seas and seas of people like it's so unbelievable. And again, they're just up there in T-shirts and shorts and sneakers. And they're just like, but and they just got these acoustic guitars, but they're just rocking the fuck out. And you're just like, how does this hat? This is so crazy, you know? They just, it's like this one, you know, they let the kids out of the garage and they became giant worldwide rock stars, you know? An actual ocean of people 
And it's not it's not even a joke anymore. No. Like with karate, I'll kick your ass. Is <laughs> yeah. like the song of their childhood. Yeah. It is the, it is like an actual emotional journey. For yeah, them. and it's I, so and, and, crazy. And I love it with video games. Everything they're putting out now because they've just hit absolute legend status. They can do no wrong now. There's no more L's in my opinion, unless one of them gets canceled. God forbid. You know what I mean? I mean, they can just do whatever they want, however they want, is what it seems like. And I love that no matter what happens with Hollywood Jack, he's always going to come back to the D. And I think that is a beautiful part of their story as well. Mm -hmm. You know? And so, yeah, it's cool, man. Rage Cage, Hollywood Jack. Let's tell the tale, my friends. Let's tell the tale. Um, So, uh, yes, you've got, uh, let's start with Jack Black. Let's get into it. Thomas. Uh, first, uh, we okay. Yes, start. What? Uh, uh, just the the meme at this point where we talk about uh, Jack Black's uh, parents and how his mom basically, uh, in terms of like affecting the like the arc of history, his mom is like way more important <laughs> to like the development of the human race. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, no, well, both of them. I mean, they both were both of his parents worked on the Hubble Space Telescope. Uh they they were both they're both uh satellite engineers, like totally legit ones that did crazy. So what else did the mom work on? She worked on the lunar module. She yes. worked on the moon landing. Yes. She was like one of these like this is like anybody who has like a this was like a big talking point when people were making a big deal about women in STEM fields was like a bunch of these, like the early worlds of like engineering and mathematics were full of women. And like, it wasn't until like the Sega Genesis made video games like for violent boys <laughs> did like finally just, it, it changed. But like, you know, she, there's like a picture of uh, Jack Black's mom uh, who I should stop referring to as Jack Black's mom. That's very mean. Uh, Judith uh, Cohen uh, with a massive stack of like, hand calculated like math problems that she needed to do oh that picture yeah. i know that picture yeah so like she is is like literally one of the most like important figures in the u.s space program like actually you know doing the kind of shit that people needed to do and like uh the, the the always the uh the the thing at the end of like it's it's like a copy pasta at this point it's like and judith love cohen also was Jack Black's mom, but that's not important. <laughs> yeah, totally. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. But uh, for our story, she's in the mix uh, with Jack Black born in 1969 in Santa Monica, California. 
and his parents would divorce when Jack was 10 years old. Jack Black said, there's something about a divorce in that even if your parents still love you, the fact that they can't live with each other makes you feel there's something wrong with you. But aside from that, I had a good childhood. My parents were very supportive of me and my artistic endeavors. My father and mother came to every school play I ever did. When I was 13, I talked my stepfather into driving me to auditions, and he did get his first acting job at 13. He's in a commercial. This is the other, like, well, kind of well-known, like, thing you see on Reddit all the time or whatever, but he appears in a video game commercial for the game Pitfall on Atari, and it's so cute. Mm -hmm. It is such a young, enthusiastic, Enthusiastic Jack Black. I believe he even has like the Indiana Jones hat on uh, and everything. Yeah, he has like a pith helmet and uh, he also he has like the same kind of shoulder length long hair that you uh-huh. like associate with Jack no, yeah, Black. Yeah, he's so totally really like looks young like- him like in Pick of Destiny. Yeah. <laughs> he's totally that guy. Like he's that kid. Um, he, uh, yeah. And also he said, I was a wild and reckless teenager. So much so that I think I'm lucky to be alive. Teenage boys feel immortal. It's that weird mix of hormones and not yet fully formed brains. They actually are insane. I should have been put in jail. I got into drugs and I stole money from my mom. It was a bad time. I used to drive around the streets, the curvy Hollywood Hills, like it was my personal racetrack, catching air with five kids in the car, me just screaming, yeah, (laughs) we were having fun, but there could have been a tragedy. So yeah, he seems like kind of a wild card in, in, you know, but, but very into acting, music, these sorts of things. Cartooning, also an avid cartoonist. Mm, That does not surprise me at all. The uh, original graphic of uh, him and Kyle in front of Satan Uh that like they use as the title cards for the HBO series was drawn by Jack Black. It's the same image that was turned into the cover of their first album. And uh, post-apocalypto, all the art for that was like hand-drawn by Jack Black as well. Awesome. But like, yeah, I don't know. As a, again, again, doing a lot of like great work for imaginative chubby kids. Yes. Got it, got it. Really got to throw it out there for Jack Black. All of this resonating quite a lot. But after high school, he ends up going to University of California, Los Angeles, or UCLA, but dropped out in his second year to pursue a career in entertainment. While there, however, he does join a theater troupe, a very important theater troupe to this story. They are called the Actors Gang. (laughs) Uh, And that is where he ends up working with famous actor Tim Robbins, uh, who would later get him his start as a film actor. Um, and he was also going to meet someone else very important there, but we'll get to him in just a second. Then he started getting TV work, small roles and stuff like Northern Exposure and The X-Files, and was a standout as a guest performer on Mr. Show with Bob and David. But before we get into all that... Uh, you're blowing past his greatest uh, early role, uh, the bully Slip in Never Ending Story 3, nice. Escape from Fantasia. Love it. How dare I? Because our extensive cover, uh, coverage of that film in our Never Ending Story. <laughs> did we even talk? I guess we did. We talked about the sequel. I think we might have been like, ah, Jack Black was in Never Ending Story 3. He played the bully. <laughs> and his mom was a super scientist. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know why we're saying that in the Never Ending Story episode, <laughs> but we are. Uh, so then you have Kyle Gass. I know a lot less about his uh, growing up. I, I have. He grew up also in California in Walnut Creek. At high school, he played the flute in the marching band. And then I have a jump to studying acting in UCLA. 
It's a lot less known for sure than uh, old Jack Black. So it's it is like a little bit harder to kind of uh, get information about him. But I will say there was an interesting. I watched this uh, amazing documentary called Detour, a tenacious documentary that covered their uh, basically world tour in promotion of the Pick of Destiny and the fallout from that movie's uh, horrible tanking in the theaters. And at one point. Uh, they do a show in Seattle and Kyle's parents come in and um, Kyle's mom seems really uh, withdrawn and judgmental. Mm. I will say it seems like really, really weird energy mm. to the point where like they are in the green room at a massive theater sold, you know, not I don't know if it's sold out or not, but like a massive theater, people chanting their names and all the mom can say is like, Kyle, the the newspapers, they don't even mention you. Uh, They just say it's all Jack. They say Jack's the only reason people come to your shows. And like Kyle is just there just like, "Mm mm-hmm. Well, you know, mom, that's uh, kind of part of the deal. I uh, kind of uh, like, I can see just like the scream behind his face. Right. And I feel like that it was a massive, massive like kind of uh, insight into what has driven uh, Kyle Gass and like why he kind of has these ups and downs and is like very sensitive about like his, his own accomplishments in, in the world and in relationship to Jack and tenacious D. Yeah. He, uh, he ends up studying acting in UCLA uh, and, and it really starts immediately with this relationship dynamic, by the way, he, he also joins the actors gang. He's there before Jack black, but Jack immediately comes in and Kyle is the music guy for the group, essentially. He's like the music lead for the actors game. And then Jack Black shows up. And although he has less musical training and ability, he's immediately intimidating Kyle Gass with his just general approach to, you know, his his music abilities, you know. Well, in. it's uh, so the the whole deal with the actors gang is they are very influenced by Commedia dell'arte, the, you know, uh, ancient, not ancient, whatever, middle age. Middle Ages, uh, Italian form of like semi improv character based comedy. A lot of their productions involve like decorative masks. They'll do a lot of things relating to current events. They're very experimental. And so, like, they have this whole kind of ethos behind them. And like, Kyle is very much a character actor. Like, you know, uh, if you look at his old headshots, like here I am, affable bald man number three. Here I am, like goofy bald guy number four. And so, like, all of a sudden, this younger, goofier fat guy comes in uh-huh. and is probably killing it. Cause like Jack Black has really infectious energy. Yeah. And, you know, he makes bold choices and they pay off. And so I can easily imagine uh Kyle being like, hey man, what the fuck? And like, you know. Kyle is, I, I believe, nine years older than Jack uh, in terms of just age. So, like, Kyle's probably, like, pushing 30 at this point. And, like, here's this new, you know, this fresh kid, bear, like, dropping out of college and is just, like, making waves and m- impressing Tim. Because this is Tim Robbins. You know, he helped found this theater company. It's basically his vanity project. Mm-hmm. So, like, he can – he definitely – and it, there's definitely some kind of frustrations he was already feeling because I know you know, uh, like very early in the in Jack's like uh, run with the actors gang, Kyle kind of has a big blowout and just quits. Yeah, he just pieced, and uh, it was kind of interesting. It was very abrupt and and kind of rattled the group a little bit. 
And Jack Black just had this feeling. He had this just this sense that he needed to pursue this guy, that he needed to like follow him out of uh, the actors' game. Of course, he was still working with the actors' gang, but he he knew he needed to pursue a relationship with Kyle Gass. He was also he was 23 at the time, I believe, when this was going down. And he uh, Jack Black also had just started playing guitar, and he really really wanted somebody to teach him. Um, it, you know, it, it definitely parallels t- with The Pig of Destiny, as, as, even though they, of course, make it totally silly and ridiculous. But there's definitely that vibe of, like, he just really likes Kyle Gass's guitar playing. And so he starts coming over. Um, there's a whole thing about how uh, uh, Jack Black would, would reimburse him for music lessons with Jack in the Box. <laughs> and they usually just ate, like, the $2 tacos. Uh, when they $2 did that. now, it was like a 50 cent taco yeah, right? back then. And uh, sometimes they'd splurge on the fancier tacos at Jack in the Box <laughs> if they had a little more money. But so, you know, and they're just broke stoners. They would just get together and he said Kyle would just teach him a chord and he'd just sit there playing it and then they'd get really high and he'd teach him a new, another chord and then he'd play that and they just started kind of making music together and, and Jack Black's just learning from him, which is kind of amazing. I mean, that's kind of late in the game uh, to learn, especially for how quickly Jack Black seems to get pretty proficient at guitar as well. Uh, of course, th- th- therefore, Kyle Gass always has like the stronger guitar playing skills <laughs> and all that good stuff. But they're just getting together. They're smoking a ton of weed. That was like a huge, huge, definitely part of their relationship at this time. They just get very, very stoned and play music and hang out and just really form this like beautiful relationship together. Black said, but now we're in the early 90s at this point, and Cage taught me how to play guitar, and we smoked a lot of weed, and we wrote our first song. Well, I don't want to talk about the first song. <laughs> And Jack Black hates this first song. It is a breakup song titled Melissa. And he doesn't like it because it's embarrassing. Because making music's embarrassing. Especially when you're like putting your heart out there. And talking about stuff that's really vulnerable and stuff. And so Melissa, it's about a woman who broke Jack Black's heart. uh, And started dating her poetry teacher. So theater, Mm -hmm. arts, college. Such a funny, like uh, everybody goes through something like that. And while working on that first song, they realized they really should just actually lean into their comedic talents. By the way, before I read this quote, you can definitely hear Melissa. It is on YouTube, stuff like that. They, they played it from time to time. And there's actually this incredible Audible series uh, where they tell their whole story in like three parts. And they actually play the song live in that uh, in that series. And it's really awesome. Almost unrecognizable as a Tenacious D song. It, it's, it's a pretty song, though. It really is. But yeah, it's also very hard on the sleeve. Gas said, I think it was kind of a relief. I think that was Jack's kind of thrust at the time. It was like, oh, yeah, I feel much more comfortable in the comedy realm. Just made a lot of sense. And then going back to the Spinal Tap model, too, it was like, no, those guys are playing. They're writing some great songs they're just funny and it seems like that's because that's who they are so gas also refers to the comedy as a shield since music can be a little embarrassing as we were just talking about now the crazy thing i don't know if we've mentioned this yet the crazy thing is that when they write their next song the first true tenacious d song that song is tribute. <laughs> the I, arguably their their greatest song yeah. was their first song, if you don't count, 
Melissa. And uh, yeah, it was based on Jack Black stating that the Metallica song One was the best song in the world to Kyle, to which Kyle responded that they could not write the best song in the world. So Jack Black then said, but we can write a tribute. <laughs> they also stayed on acoustic guitar. And this was mainly because Kyle didn't have an amp at his apartment. So uh, Jack Black said he was acoustic through and through, and I was into it. I liked acoustic guitar. I didn't feel like, eh, I wish we had electric. I never felt what that need. And I felt like, in a way, that was ours. It was like we were ninjas. Ninjas don't use guns. We were like the ninjas of rock. We don't use electric guitars. That's for, you know, not ninjas. Uh, Jack Black was really big on metal, though, at the same time. But they connected over a different musical duo. Black said, me and Cage... We have slightly different musical influences, but where we met was Simon and Garfunkel. We both were deep into those jams, but I said, wait a second, Black Sabbath, so that's what we are. We're basically Simon and Garfunkel and Black Sabbath mixed together, and that's where the folk metal comes from. And Kyle enjoyed metal in a comedic way. Uh, the over-the-top theatrics, the devil worship, can be funny as hell when observed, as observed in our Metalocalypse episode. They were kind of playing on the same thing of how committed and over-the-top and the ridiculous metal can be. And if you think about it, that's totally what they are. They're just Simon and Garfunkel meets Black Sabbath. That's where all those har- beautiful harmonies mm-hmm. come in, and they catch you off guard because, again, you're like watching these schlubby guys like rock out and scream the word fuck, mm-hmm. and then they start doing these like beautiful, delicious harmonies that just totally like s- just suck you in. It's like amazing. Honest tribute really is their entire bit yes. like concentrated into just a four minute whirlwind because. There's the, I mean, in, especially like think about it at the time, like in the early mid nineties, you're like at a comedy show. It's like, uh, you know, Janine Garofalo and David Cross, like, I don't know, complaining about Clinton or something. Uh, and then like these two schlubby dudes come uh-huh. on stage with acoustic guitars. If you're in this kind of boho scene, you've seen enough like folk guitar players. So you're like, all right, I know what this is going to be. And they start playing like just this gentle strumming. And, you know, uh, Jack Black's just telling this story, kind of blues man at the crossroads. And then, like, the song just builds. Like, as soon as it's, and we played the first thing that came to our heads, just so happens to be the best song in the world. And so it just, like, it's building now. It's building, uh, you know, that first uh, thing where it's like, uh, you know, once every hundred thousand years or so, when the sun doth shine and the moon, it's still Stop. like kind of floaty. Ooh, that's getting kind of Zeppelin-y. Yeah, yeah very Zeppelin-y, very like, so we got the demon, we got like the blues, we got the folk, we got all these things happening. Uh, and then we got the fucking greatest fucking uh, harmony. And yeah, I think about this all the time where it's just like, be you angels. And we said, nay. We are but men, rock. And then, <laughs> like, all of a sudden, you're like, it's like the fact that it's so beautiful is kind of, it's funny. Yeah. It's funny how pretty their harmony yeah, is. Totally. And then they break it down and they're like, just so you're clear, we, this isn't the best song. Yeah, they're like over explaining like, like within the song, yeah. which is its own funny bit, you know, mm-hmm. and then all the like kind of 
J.R. Tolkien style like narration <laughs> is is so funny and and such a strong part of the bit because <laughs> it's just like they it's constantly surprising you yeah. and that's such a such a fundamentally important element of comedy is like you're always caught off guard with wherever they're gonna go next you know what I mean yeah and by the end where there, it's the final like good God God love it like now it's just a great rock song yeah and but it's like being. These two schlubby dudes are like transformed on the stage. They are like completely lost in it. Jack Black is doing his little yeah. like flappy wing it's dance. So funny. Kyle is like shredding. And it's just this beautiful experience all in just like a single four minute concentrated bit where you like immediately understand the joke. You understand what these guys are about. And this music is actually rad. It is of course, this is their first song. Like this, it's the entire band concentrated in this single experience. Yeah, uh, I, I I couldn't agree more. It, it's such a great statement mm-hmm. that tribute. It, it, it's such a perfect statement uh, as to what they're about and who they are. It really tells the full story. I mean, you can really study that song just the way you broke it down in like a comedy class or something to just be like, this is how you just immediately arrive on a stage <laughs> on the smallest stage ever too. And it's so cool. It's like, you're a secret weapon. Mm-hmm. And I loved that. It kind of reminds me of murder fist a little bit. Cause I, I, I kind of felt like that going to gigs. Like we're the secret weapon. We're going to get up there in, in the middle of all this stand up and just do something completely fucking crazy. And that was always so fun to do. And I feel like they would just drop like an A-bomb on an audience. And the funny thing is like they were they were going running off of just tribute for like a while. So their first live show, it ends up uh, at a coffee shop in L.A. called Highland Grounds. Uh, they performed as the Axe Lords featuring Gorgazon's Mischief. <laughs> Uh, this was also, by the way, an Actors Gang variety show that they were performing in. Harry Shearer, a.k.a. Derek Smalls, was in the audience. And they I talk think, about how uh, th- I'm, I'm going to say Harry Shearer is probably best known as Principal Skinner and Mr. Burns. That is if true. If we're going by, holy shit, that's Harry Shearer well, well, credentials. Well, I, I, Derek Smalls, a.k.a member of Spinal Tap. Mm. Uh, And for them, it was this massive sign from the heavens that like they were destined to be this great comedy act because like their biggest inspiration, one of the members of that band is in the audience for their very first gig. Uh, And so, and and I think they just have tribute. They are, oh yes, they're only playing tribute at this point. In 1994, they play at Al's Bar, also just on tribute, and they hold a vote for their name. The names uh, they're choosing between are Pets or Meat, Balboa's Biblical Theater, The Axe Lords featuring Gorgazon's Mischief, and Tenacious D, which is a term used by basketball announcers when talking about defensive positioning. Oh, I mean, it's definitely Marv Albert. They're, <laughs> uh, it's 100% like, look at that Tenacious D over there. Like the, the so, And also, and Kyle Gass is like, I, uh, a huge NBA fan. In fact... I was reading an interview about their like uh, one of their more recent recording sessions, and they would they went to um, uh, Joshua Tree, <laughs> and the Airbnb didn't have like regular television; it only had streamers. <laughs> and he like he like couldn't deal because he couldn't watch NBA. Uh, he needed to watch the he needed his basketball. Yeah, so I guess that's probably more on uh, on from him than uh, Jack Black, the name. Uh, and so the, I guess uh, the, the Tenacious D does not win the vote, but Black claims, quote, we forced it through. <laughs> uh, and attending that show just happened to be, again, first show they got a member of Spinal Tap in the audience. And this is also just what, what could happen performing in L.A., which is just kind of cool. But second show ever that they do, 
David Cross just happens to be in attendance, loves the song, and asks them to open for the live version of Mr. Show. Because Mr. Show with Bob and David, HBO sketch comedy show, it was just like the this really hip underground comedy show in L.A., this is literally the best time they could possibly be in LA with Tenacious D because every like there is such a huge groundswell of amazing alt comedy happening. So this is what pulled them into the burgeoning underground comedy scene. Uh, and that includes folks, you know, you've got Paul F. Tompkins, Scott Ackerman, Bob Odenkirk, Janine Garofalo, so many more, all just doing these like great shows all over LA. And now the D are performing gigs as well all over LA. They get noticed uh, really early on by a lead singer of the band Tool, Maynard James Keenan. He has them opening for them on some shows in California. Uh, And this is now the end of 1995. So they're just immediately kind of doing stuff. I mean, but that makes sense knowing that even though they only have one song, it's tribute. Yeah. Because it's such a fucking jam. It's such a good, amazing comedy moment. And it's just such a good like audition piece to just wow any room that they might play in. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. So Jack Black, by the way, this is where Biodome comes in. This is like the weird... (laughs) So uh, Jack Black had met future director Jason Bloom at UCLA. Jason Bloom asked him to perform in his film Biodome, which was released in 1996. For that, they wrote the song Five Needs, and this was their first on-screen appearance as Tenacious D. They're barely in it. Yeah. It's just the background joke is, look at these delusional hippies right. at some delusional hippie party. In 1997, they've got a residency at the fucking Viper Room, which is pretty badass. Jesus. Uh, and, you know, who's in the audience? Dave Grohl from Nirvana just <laughs> yeah. happens to be in the audience. He, uh, but he, but at this point, there's there's talk. There, there, there's people definitely hyping them up because he even goes backstage before the show starts and is like, "Hey guys, I'm Dave Grohl. Really excited to see the show. I've heard great things." Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, they're like shitting their pants. They're like talking about him on stage. Like, we don't want to like name any names. It's like a mm-hmm. big deal right now for us. And they rock the fucking house. They burn down the house with their with their set. And uh, Dave Grohl's super into it, loves it. I always love about Nirvana, you know, they have a great sense of humor. They mm-hmm. they were like so thrilled when Weird Al Yankovic did a parody of them. They've always been awesome about that. Um, and so he just immediately gets it as well. He's going to come back into the story a little later on. They then record Tenacious Demo. This consists of the songs Tribute, Kyle Quit the Band, Krishna, and History. And off of this, and Jack Black's appearances on the televised Mr. Show, they are offered a TV show by HBO. So quick, it makes your head spin. Um, but this is where we start to have well, maybe... It's, it was like part of the Mr. Show package yeah. was like the Tenacious D shorts, or you know, they were usually like 12-minute single segments uh would play before Mr. Show as kind of like an opening feature. Yeah, gotcha. And I even saw mention of a Mr. Show universe. Like they were going to try to expand on Mr. Show and like create, you know, you know, 
the the MSU, Jake. <laughs> they were going to try to like create. I think I think essentially try to realize what was happening in LA with comedy, but like on HBO fully, like and have all these different cool shows happening, uh, comedy shows happening uh, on HBO that would not come to pass. <laughs> You're telling me we could have had a uh, rise of the crime stick? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jack Black said it was a great way to work up material. Because we had just a handful of songs when they said, hey, we want you to do some comedy short films to be part of the Mr. Show Cinematic Universe. There you go. And so we wrote a few episodes with Bob and David, Bob Odenkirk, David Cross. And the first few episodes were no problem because we already had enough songs for that. But then when we went further, we were like, oh, fuck, we need more songs. We wrote a lot of songs. This is very similar to the trajectory that uh, Flight of the Concords ended up going uh-huh. through with their uh, very similar kind of HBO show. Very similar show. Yeah. I was surprised at how similar the Tenacious D. There's only, by the way, three episodes of the Tenacious D show. Very easy to watch. And I recommend it. It's, it's weird. It's funny. You got to watch it on Max. Max. You got to watch it on Max. And uh, you have to watch it on Max. And if you don't, they will arrest you and they will <laughs> hurt your children in front of you. The this Everything's David sponsored Zaslav. by Max right now. Everything. David Zaslav will personally slap your dog. Yeah. <laughs> So, so, but yeah, it's, uh, it's so similar. I feel like to, you know, it's like they're playing in crappy coffee shop, Mm -hmm. open mics. They, they, you know, there's this like, uh, there's even this like love interest who's like really kooky and weird. It's a lot more avant-garde than Fly the Con. I feel like Fly the Concords kind of took the recipe and like smoothed it out and turned it into something a little bit more palatable. It's, uh, the Tenacious D show is just the Gen X version of the millennial show that is by the Concords. You know, they do the Kung Fu parody. They just like talk about weed as, and just that's the punchline. Yeah. Is they mentioned weed. Like it's this set. Honestly, Tenacious D's like, um, uh, Gen X touchstones where it's all like metal references, Godzilla movies, Kung Fu movies, Sasquatch aliens. Like, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a smorgasbord. Of like things Gen X potheads thought were hilarious a lot of the time. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. It, it it's completely that through and through. Um, but fun. I really enjoyed it. Oh, incredible. Really funny stuff and really cool visualizations of the songs from that first album that we don't quite, you know, that we only have some music videos for, we don't quite get more of because for Pick a Destiny, they did a whole other, you know, album of of music. So if you've ever wondered what the song Lee was actually about. Enjoy the context, weird fans. Get some context. <laughs> so I have it here that the show is canceled after HBO requests they step down as executive producers and just write the songs for the show. And they were not into that. Jack Black said, there was something, I love this quote, by the way. This is such a cool thing to think about. There was something magical in the time before we had an album. When we were on HBO and before we got a record contract. There's a couple years in there where we were famous as a band and we were able to go and book big rooms and play in rooms all around the country without an album. We were like the most indie of all. We don't even have a record label. That's how indie our record label is. It doesn't exist. (laughs) Our music is in the air or on videotapes. We went to Seattle and Eddie Vedder came to one of our shows before we had a record. He was just fucking there. (laughs) It's such a cool thing to think like, they were such a hot underground act that there were they were playing packed rooms and you couldn't even listen to their there was no way to get their music. Mm-hmm. 
And it was just it was just such a special, fun, interesting time. And it's almost like the more tangible they became, like when they by you know, by by that I mean like once they finally had a full movie and all this stuff happening. It was kind of like, like just softened and softened and softened the like power of the act mm-hmm. because it wasn't this this shocking, wonderful surprise that you could only see in this indie room and this, you know, you know. And there's just something to that. It's such a magical time for them and for so many artists. Like right before they break, you know, it's really cool. There's a moment in uh, the D documentary where uh, they're getting ready for their Pick of Destiny tour and they are working with a full band for the first time. And, you know, these are people that, like, uh, Kyle, like, picked because, like, he could jam with them and they actually, you know, they got along well. Uh, And still, like, you know, they have the sets built, they got costumes, Uh they got, like, all sorts of crazy stuff. And Kyle just, like, sits down and is like, is this funny? (laughs) And you're like, what? It's like, I don't. I think it's not as funny if it's a whole. Sh- if it's not just us, right? Uh-huh. And Jack Black just kind of looks at him and is like, "We're going. We're our first show is in like a week." And he's like, <laughs> "Yeah, you're right. I just, I just needed to say. I think, I think it'd be funnier if it was just." Us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. But I think they found that like perfect balance of like how how to pull it off with the full band we're actually about to get into that uh they were hesitant about that going into the recording of their first album in may of 2000 they get signed to epic records and they go into the studio to record their first album under the production of the dust brothers who they were a big fan of um Dust Brothers worked on a bunch of good shit, uh, and Jack Black, and and it was the kind of thing where they were like fishing around for a producer, and were excited when they heard the Dust Brothers were interested, and then we're just like, yeah, they totally got it. They just knew got exactly what we were trying to do, and we're down to facilitate that. And Jack Black said. There was a reluctance when we first went into the studio with the Dust Brothers, and they were like, you got to form a supergroup. And we were like, do we, though? Because the joke is, it's these two guys with acoustic guitars playing heavy metal to the heavens, <laughs> like we're playing to a million people. Aren't we going to lose that joke and that magic once we get a band? So we told them, we'll do it. But just so you know, at the last minute, we may bail and just go acoustic. And they were like, yeah, yeah, we'll always have the acoustic versions, and you guys can decide. And then, as soon as we started, it was like, what were we talking about? <laughs> this sounds so much better with a band. We're not going to put out the acoustic. Uh, so th- here they get to go electric. Kyle said, that was a dream come true. We were big rock fans. And then to hear our songs blown up like that with Dave Grohl playing drums behind the little songs you came up with in your living room, that was pretty heady stuff for me. I remember I couldn't stop listening to it the first time. I was like, this is incredible. I can't believe I'm on a rock album that sounds this good. Along with Dave Grohl on drums, they had Fish keyboardist Paige McConnell, guitarist Warren Fitzgerald for the band The Vandals, and bassist Stephen Shane McDonald from the band Red Cross. And it was kind of a funny situation because they were like, you guys got to form a super group, the D- Dust Brothers. And they were like, how are we going to do that? They were just like, do you know any people? And they were like, well, Dave Grohl like came to our show, <laughs> show and like loved it. And they're like, well, let's fucking start there, bro. Let's set up Dave Grohl. They were like, you just asked? They're just like, yeah, that's how this works. Just fucking call him. They go to the Foo Fighters castle yeah. and they beseech for Mr. Grohl. So funny. I also love the, the Fish keyboardist is on there too. It's mm-hmm. amazing. But Dave Grohl ends up playing drums on all of their albums. Apparently he would show up just like th- for one day, 
lay out all the drum tracks for every song and then leave. But he's always down. Every time they were going to make a new album, they'd be like, bro, can you come in? And he always would. I love Dave Grohl so much. I just, everything about him just, it's ridiculous. Like he's, he, I, he shouldn't exist. He, he's, he's, he's too good. Uh, so the album is released in 2001. It peaks at 33 in the Billboard 200. It later would go platinum. They released three music videos off the album, one for Tribute, directed by Liam Lynch, who would later direct their movie. We'll get more into him later. Wonder Boy, directed by Spike Jones, And lastly, Fucker Gently, which you already mentioned, is animated and directed by John Kersfalusi. I'll just say that's the way I'll say the name today of Ren and Stimpy fame. Uh, and uh, so now they've got this hot album. They're fucking playing sold-out venues, pretty big, you know, theaters, stuff like that. They're crushing it. Uh, and they start talking about doing a movie. And they wanted to do a movie from the beginning. In the year 2000, they had a script, actually. This, however, was based on the songs on their first album. And they had a lot of ideas that ended up in the HBO show. So that script ends up getting scrapped. In 2003, they signed with New Line Cinema to make a D movie with Liam Lynch set as director. Uh, Lynch, uh, we'll get more into him now, co-created, co-wrote, directed, scored, and produced the 1998 comedy puppet series, The Syphil and Ollie Show. Amazing. Syphil and Ollie. Syphil and Ollie Can you describe The Syphil and Ollie Show, Uh, Syphil and Ollie was started, I believe, as a uh, local access uh, TV show. Uh, but it was this like alt rock kind of uh, Sesame Street where uh, Liam and his friends would just be these sock puppet characters. And they'd have these like meandering yet like conversational sketches, these song breaks, uh, you know, um, uh, I, I can't even. Yeah, uh, there, I, I, you caught me off guard. I should have done more Sifflin Ollie like research. So now I'm just talking <laughs> on like nostalgia vibes. But the songs were infectious. The characters were really memorable. Uh, there was a, it was structured like an old timey uh, kid song. So there'd be like individual segments that would like be the same from episode to episode, and MTV would air them real late at night in like massive blocks. So like I just remember a lot of sleepless nights. Crawling down, not crawling, but yeah, sneaking down to the rec room, turning on the TV and just watching hours of Syphil and Ollie and loving every second of it. I just like the idea of you crawling like a creature in the night. Jacob, you're so creepy. Jacob, did you leave your bed to watch music television? And you're just like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, just I think housing he's a box of plain Triscuits. I think just... he's possessed or it's Triscuit poisoning or something. He's speaking in an archaic language. Also, uh, <laughs> Liam Lynch, uh, the creator of the, one of the greatest songs ever, uh, United States of Whatever. So, you know. Nice. Oh, that was him. Oh, my God, dude. Uh, yeah, he also did the music videos for bands like Queens of the Stone Age, Foo Fighters, No Doubt. Uh, and Liam Lynch also uh, worked with Gas and Black on the script as well. It was a co-written stitch, which makes sense, knowing Syphil and Ollie and kind of the roughshod sort of approach to comedy It's like, and the, the meandering approach, as you mentioned, kind of is a bit of the vibe of the movie. Uh, it also should be noted that during this exact period in the 2000s, this is when Jack Black's career is really taking off. Yes. He's in high fidelity, gets nominated for a bunch of like 
blockbuster and MTV Movie Awards for that. He's in Saving Silverman. He is the leading man in the hit comedy Shallow Hal, the Fairly Brothers classic. Oh my God. Shallow Hal. The ultimate does not hold up (laughs) comedy. And yeah, the pick of Destiny is actually delayed for over a year because Black Jack Black is cast as as the lead in Peter Jackson's King Kong. Mm-hmm. It is you which know, we covered in our King Kong episode. Yes, we did. It is just this insane time for him. And they go in and they they make this movie. And though it does have a great cast, Ronnie James Dio, Dave Grohl, Meatloaf. Ben Stiller, Paul F. Tompkins, John C. Riley, Tim Robbins, Amy Poehler, and more. It ends up being, to, and it's a shock to them, a huge box office disappointment. Okay, so this, I, I got This it. is the turning point. This yeah. is what could very well be the dark ages for the D. Because up until this point... It has been a fucking rocket to the moon. Yeah. They have gotten all of the rocket sauce and it's been building up to this movie project that they had been struggling with for years, but they finally had a script that they believed in, uh, you know, for Kyle, whose acting career had kind of flamed out by this point. Um, he wasn't getting any, you know, not even character roles anymore. This was going to be like his vindication. You know, he's going to be in this hit comedy. He'll get more roles from that. And, you know, they wrote all these original songs alongside Liam Lynch. They got Ronnie James Dio. They got Meatloaf. They got Dave Grohl. uh, You know, and this is this is it. This is going to be amazing. And they book this massive tour in support of the album and the movie. And the Tenacious D documentary breaks down the hype. The excitement, there's, you know, the premiere is this massive celebrity filled event. You know, people are like shaking their hands, being like, great movie, great things ahead for the D, like fantastic. And the numbers come in and the movie costs like $20 million. It's abyssal. Like the, the numbers are truly horrifying. The reviews are all just like tearing them apart, being like, the shtick is old. It's not funny. They're just like screaming. It's not good. But they're doing these shows and they're like rocking out all these places. You know, songs like Kickapoo and uh, Beazel Boss and like the songs themselves are really great. But like, like not just like they're filling Madison Square Garden. Yeah. So like while they are experiencing this giant failure, I mean, they're packing out venues that people could only dream of filling, and you know, and at some point in their career, it's this weird, confusing time. It's very odd. So things get even darker because they're still booked to do all of this promo. They're booked for like all of these junkets, all of these things, and the movie is like basically out of theaters at this point. Yeah, you know, they were only there for like a week or two. Yeah, like it really just I it cannot be stressed how much of an absolute bomb this was. And yet they're still stuck on the road. Jack Black just had a baby. His wife is touring with them. And like, he's exhausted. He's like, his wife is like, hey, you pitch this as an adventure. And it's really just uh, your wife and your baby alone in green rooms in like dungeon like basements. Right. Like Kyle is beginning to notice more and more that as they do the junkets, they're just ignoring him completely. They'll do cover photos for like uh, alt weeklies and magazines and they'll just crop them out. 
Like, because now that the movies flop, now that the D is not the juice, all of these media uh, networks and like productions are like, well, fuck it. At least we got Jack Black in the house. Let's just do a Jack Black piece. Right. And, you know, all these like famous people are still showing up backstage because Jack Black is a movie star on the rise. But it it really is just brutal. They just do so, months and months of dates. Uh, it's, you know, the uh, Jack's family is suffering. Kyle is suffering. There's just like there's a moment in the documentary where Jack Black looks in the camera and is like, I, you know, I always am scared that like America w- is just done with me and that like I've, I've hit the high and like the rest is going to be de- like one day it's all just going to go away. Uh-huh. And I'm terrified that like it's 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 happening right now and I can't do anything about it because we're just in tour vans and tour buses in like weird gigs in, in Adelaide, <laughs> like yeah. just unable to do anything about it. Um, and it reaches it comes to a head. When Tenacious D does uh, The Late Show with David Letterman and they arrive at the studio, they're there to do a song and to do an interview and they tell they tell Kyle that he's not going on the couch, that they just want Jack. And this shakes him to his core. He is completely devastated. He starts yelling. He is upset. He uh, is... And honestly, think about this. Think oh, about yeah. this. For a Gen X comedy nerd, David Letterman is the peak. Oh, yeah. David Letterman is to be on Letterman is so validating. This is after the thing I mentioned where his mom is like, nobody talks about you. They uh-huh. just say that you're just riding coattails. They don't think you're a person. Like, Which is like. But the- at the very least, but I'm going to do Letterman. Yeah. But I'm going to do Letterman. And they take it away from him. And there's this incredibly tense moment where. Kyle looks at Jack and he says, I'm not going on stage. And Jack's like, what? And Kyle's like, still like breathing heavy, incredibly upset. It's like, I'm not going on stage. And Jack is like, but we're, we're here. We can, we gotta like, I, it sucks. But like, and he's like, I'm not going on stage. And Jack realizes like what is happening, picks up the phone and says like, you know, calls the director in the green room. And it's like, we're not doing the show. We're canceling unless Kyle is on the couch. And there's just this taut couple of minutes where, like, they don't know what's going to happen. They're both already exhausted from this tour. The movie has bombed. Everything has, like, gone to shit. And at the last minute, right before they're supposed to go on stage and play, like, Kickapoo and the Pick of Destiny, they get the call and they say, okay. And you can watch that performance online and it's... You can see like the tension. You can see like this moment. And it's like one of the first times I realized that like the rage cage is real. Yeah. That like Kyle Gass is not this like living affable uncle character that you see in Tenacious D media. He is an actual flawed human being with like real wants and desires who carries the weird gravity of being in the movie star's side band. (laughs) Yeah, it sucks too, because it's kind of like his bit in the group is that he's like the soft-spoken one off to the side. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's like the dynamic. So it really sucks to kind of, that that kind of leads him down these shitty 
paths when it comes to being recognized, you know, for his work and everything. I do think that just it's like at the same time, it's like, yeah, I, I guess I get what they what, why they didn't want Kyle on the couch. But it's like, man, come on. that That's that's his role. Like he's the Andy Richter. He's like the. He's the kind of quieter bounce off the, the he's the straight man in a lot of ways when he's up there, you know, um, and uh, yeah, it's it's really unfortunate. I, I totally, totally it resonates with me so much. It was very interesting because uh, I was looking for did anybody ever talk about this moment? Because it's so intense and so fucking real, like in the in this entire subject, like the fun of Tenacious D was like the going uh, vibe and watching this moment in the documentary was so fucking real that I was like, ha- like someone else has to talk about this. All I found was an old post on Reddit are cringe where people are like, can you believe Kyle? Like, you know, of course, Jack Black's the main event. Like, what the fuck? Uh. Then Tenacious D fans in the uh, in the replies being like, no, Kyle's part of the band. Kyle rules. Like fucking rage cage. Fucking shut up. Like Yeah, yeah. It was just this really truly like the the veil has been lifted moment and it's it really affected me. Like you can tell from how I'm talking about yeah, this. I love it, it really affected me watching like Kyle go through that pain, have a like kind of a tantrum. Sure. And like but Jack standing up for his friend when all is said and done. Yeah, I, c- I commend both of them honestly because I I don't think I could have done what Kyle did and stand up for myself like that. And also, I don't think I could have done what Jack Black did and stand up for his friend to the to the network. And and that's really to, cool. To David Letterman. Yeah, like that's also like famously- that's crazy because yeah, you would be probably too. He would be like blacklisted if they didn't perform if that gambit didn't work. Mm-hmm. He probably wouldn't would have never been able to do the show ever again. You know. Um, Kyle Gass said, it's a double-edged sword because one, he's my best mate. And then we're both trying to make it in Hollywood. And then also he's almost 10 years younger than me, but we're still kind of fighting in the same soup. And then he just busts out. It's just amazing to watch and real exciting. You go, how high can he go? And then he just keeps going. And then there's the other part where it's like, God damn it, it's taking so much away from the D. You know, movies take a long time. That's been a challenge for sure. Kind of frustrating. And then also, you're not supposed to compare. Compare is despair, I believe is what they say. But it's just hard not to. Things kind of go dark. Jack Black ends up Hollywood Jack, you know? And, and... It's years. I mean, in general, it it they they're on a, a weird like five to six year cycle when it comes to a new album, and they do start working on uh, a new album. This this Rise of the Phoenix album. That's them kind of brushing off the dust and taking the L and moving forward. Uh, Tenacious D rising like a phoenix, but. Also, something else happens during this time. You know, I think while Jack Black is off working, I think the way they I mean, make- he's fucking Poe. He is the Kung Fu Panda. Yeah, he's, he's- in Tropic Thunder. He's well, we, we no talk about Gulliver's Travels. We yeah, don't, let's just ignore Gulliver's. We'll Travels ignore Gulliver's for a Travels. That was a rough one, but he is just massively successful. And so, you know, I'm sure it's a lot of like working on some songs, and then he gets another role, and then he's got to leave and. You know, that takes months, and that's a lot of the issue with actors who get a lot of movie work is they tend to be away from their families a lot and having to be in other parts of the world for long periods of time and then kind of back in it. And while this is going on, Jack Black gets word that Kyle Gass is really starting to kind of, like, act uh, funny. He's starting to, he's starting to 
Something's going on. People are starting to pass around the word that he is. I believe the two examples of his erratic behavior is uh, one person said that he told somebody he's quitting Tenacious D. Yes. And another person told Jack that they saw Kyle crying on the floor of a Denny's. (laughs) Yes. And so Jack Black and some friends, they get together like, we we got it. We got to do an intervention. Something's going on here. We need to fix it. He's on something. It's very strange. And so um, they they try to organize uh, an intervention. Uh, things kind of go south with that because Kyle Gass catches wind. And then Jack Black arranges for his private jet, uh, uh, or, or at least a private jet. A private. Uh, yeah, it's actually um, can be kind of a pain in the ass to own a private jet, unless you're Taylor Swift. Shout out to the carbon footprint. Yeah, no, he was in Gulliver's <laughs> Travels, not Avatar. <laughs> he doesn't have his own private um, jet. Or those movies are terrible. But he uh, ends up g- getting a private jet to take Kyle Gass to Utah for a rehab facility. I love this twist yeah. that, like, they don't even know what, like Kyle's on yes. to detox from. And when the smoke clears, it turns out it was weed had just been like medically like dispensaries had opened up in California. Yes. And he was just pounding cosmic brownies and drinking energy drinks. Yeah. Just caffeine <laughs> and THC is what Jack Black said uh, in the, in the interview. And, and he's, so he's just, but we're talking like, a thousand milligrams. Yeah. Like he pounded a one thousand milligram brownie. There's also before they regulate it now. You can't even get a thousand milligram brownie anymore. Like they realize they flew too close to the sun with this ah, stuff. But and you can get a hundred, a hundred milligrams. Exactly. <laughs> you can do that. Uh, but yeah, you. It, it was really ridiculous for a while there. What you could get at a dispensary in terms of like milligrams of edibles and stuff. So he pounds like a thousand milligram brownie. They're on this flight, and he's going through it. And it's this, I love that they're in an airplane in the sky, and they're losing their minds, and like they're trauma bonding, because Kyle Gass is like telling Jack Black about all this stuff from his childhood, and then so that to make him feel better, he starts responding in, in uh, the same, and, and explore, exploring all of this horrible stuff they've been through, and they're-, they're At one point, they're wrestling. Yeah, at one they're point, they're wrestling, wrestling on, the- on, I love it, they're in the sky <laughs> in an air, this it's such like an epic band moment and they're wrestling on the ground and crying and it's just this crazy, you know, situation and, and they finally land in Utah and Jack Black like drops him off at the rehab facility and they're like, all right, we've got him and Jack Black goes back to LA and I believe a month passes and they get together and just go right into the studio and start hammering out Rise of the Phoenix, their comeback album that they put out uh, and it's really great. And uh, I love the, that title, the title track so great and so honest. And I love that this is now a part of their story that they put a movie out. It totally bombed, you know, the D almost died, but nothing's going to kill the D and they come back tenacious D with rise of the Phoenix. There's even a six minute mockumentary released on YouTube that has Kyle glass uh, breaking out of an institution to try and kill Jack black. Who's gone full Hollywood and they end up reuniting and making the record. So there's some truth to that a little bit. Jack black said, yeah, there was an astonishing lack of enthusiasm for what we considered to be a masterpiece. It took some time. Uh, for us to- I know he never I broke it down, but like, the parts we that should aren't break it an down. outright rock opera, 
is really crazy. Yeah, yeah. It took so- some time for us to lick our wounds, so to speak, to get back on the horse. I thought some moments were, I loved the moment where Kyle Gaston's up at the college party and um, they're like, play a song, rock star. And he like, but he can only play half of tribute or whatever. <laughs> tribute, yeah. Like, cause uh, there, there's like all these missing vocals and stuff. And uh, you know, there, there's some, there's some funny stuff. I think my issue with the movie, uh, maybe I'm wrong <laughs> in this. It felt like they wrote a comedy script and then wrote the songs after to tell the stories of the plot points that were going on in the movie. Whereas I kind of wish they had just written really funny songs and then made a movie from that. You know what I mean? So there's a bunch of things that like make the movie uh, just not hit like it should. Uh, again, First of all, the opening sequence with uh, the Kickapoo sequence with Meatloaf yeah. and Ronnie James Dio. Great. Incredible. I think in the same Audible thing, Jack Black is like, it's the best 10 minutes of the movie and we're not in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of the songs in the, are great. Uh, the ending, is, you know, we are the D, we are the D, we are the D, which is, was, I believe, filmed afterwards. Like they asked for more money for like a bigger finale. Mm. Uh, but a huge part of the beginning of the movie is their origin story like they did we don't talk about the pick of destiny at all and in the origin story jack black is not confident he's like this doughy-eyed whimpering weird like baby uh-huh. man uh-huh. and kyle is this manipulative confident asshole yeah and that is literally the exact opposite energy of what makes them appealing and maybe that thought that would be the what how it would be that would be the funny part of it but i think it kind of just gets lost but not enough people know who tenacious d is right so like for a major motion picture if you're going to be like this is what we're about don't have the weird anti version of what you're doing be the first half of your movie also even people that do like Tenacious D, you can only watch so much of Tenacious D not be Tenacious D yeah. before you're like, I'm not actually having fun with this. Right. So it, yeah, it just genuinely, once they get the plot going with the pick of Destiny and the heist and all that, then it gets very funny. And uh, yeah, but it just, it's a lot, there's just a lot of scenes that are just really, really just not quite there. Also, the joke that Kyle Gass is horny and hits on younger women, I, not that much of a joke. Right. <laughs> He's, I'm, in the documentary, you can see him mac on some uh, tender, tender younglings and you're kind of like grossed out a little. For sure. Yeah, it just, it, it I, I want to like it so much more than I, than I do. You know, it, it, it's, it definitely, it has, it has so many things in the recipe that should make it this like great thing, but it really does fall short, and it is an absolute shame, you know? And at a time, too- Oh, Master like, Exploder, great totally. segment. Yeah. That's great. Powerful. Yeah, that stuff's good. I, I don't know. It, it, it definitely it definitely has stuff about it to like, you know, for sure. But it's hard, especially at that time. And it's also just hard to do. It's very weed-centric, mm-hmm. and it can be very hard to pull off weed comedy. Some, you know, there are half-baked mm-hmm. and- how high there there are some movies that pull it off but it's very challenging more misses than hits when it let's just say that when it comes to making weed comedies for sure i'm glad it exists just for the additions to their live lineup because all of those songs from the movie get huge reactions on the live stage cuz they are infectiously funny and interesting and rocking songs so like we're better off in the world for the pick of destiny existing, even though it's 
its critical reception was kind of deserved. And also, uh, you know, it got it got us to Rise of the Phoenix. I feel like it helped them evolve as a group and the way that they were able to like take their actual story and turn it into Tenacious D songs mm-hmm. is the thing I think they really nailed with Rise of the Phoenix. Of course, there is the track, uh, The Ballad of Hollywood Jack and The Rage Cage, uh, that is that really breaks down a lot of what was going on with them uh, uh, in the time that we were just describing with the rehab facility and everything. And it, it just, it just, I feel like they did rise like the fucking Phoenix did. I feel like they did evolve and grow into this like amazing thing. And now today they're total fucking legends. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, no one, they're untouchable now. And like they had to go through all this, I think, to maybe to get to that point. Um, so uh, after that, after, after Rise of the Phoenix and all this good stuff with that, uh, oh, yeah, there was also, is this around the time when uh, they do the, the show in Germany and Kyle Gass gets the Bell's palsy uh, <laughs> where he wakes up with half of his face just completely uh, numb and drooped and uh, they end up going to the doctor and they end up playing the gig that we were obviously, because we were describing it earlier, definitely try to look that up, by the way. That's a lot of fun to watch that thing. And they're really crazy that he woke up like the day of the gig with with. Bell's palsy in his face. I mean, they just describe how like the show must go on, but everybody on stage is like, hey, did our friend just have a massive stroke? Right. Hope not. Let's rock out. Let's rock out. So uh, after that, they're they're toying with making an animated series for the internet that would serve as a sequel to Pick of Destiny. Well, they wanted it to be not on the internet. They wanted it to be an actual like uh, premium streaming experience. I see. They pitched it to Netflix, pitched it to Hulu, pitched it to everybody. And they were like, Denied. Kind of surprised they were denied, honestly, just because they did continue to be successful and everything. But uh, either way, also Jack Black loves post-apocalyptic movies. Wait, are you sincerely asking why executives would not be eager to take on a Tenacious D movie? I mean, Is I that guess. Actually con- I don't know. No, no, but like a, an animated series or something like that. I don't know. I, I, I could see it because executives know like. They want to put the stuff out that it's like hip or like, I don't know. Anyways, maybe this is why I don't work as an executive. Uh, but regardless, uh, yeah. Also, Jack Black really was in a post-apocalyptic stuff. Terminator is one of his favorite movies. Um, then uh, they had this script they were working on. And then in 2016, Donald Trump is elected president. And they realized like they couldn't make the thing they were working on because the mo- the world was starting to feel a bit post-apocalyptic <laughs> they were starting to really feel like this is some real crazy shits going down in this country that's like really bad and and i think a lot of people got this mindset around that time i mean i'm sure i did at points and so they end up totally rewriting it to be kind of more inspired by that it's called post-apocalypto it consists of six episodes it can be found on youtube uh and it's really fun and really solid and maybe a better format for them just in general. it's They basically just use the uh, animatics drawn by Jack Black that they showed at to the networks or the streamers, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call them, with the idea that, like, you know, someone more talented will take <laughs> these and make it better. Totally. Uh, but it does come full circle with Jack Black uh, reigniting his love of being a doodlebug with this. Love it. And uh, yeah, that's their most recent album and uh, uh, major album and and major work. Since then, they have uh, put out a couple of covers, Time Warp uh, and a mashup of Beatles songs from Abbey Road. And that stuff was happening 
through like pandemic. I remember Time Warp was like a really fun pandemic kind of filmed at home thing that Jack Black rose like the phoenix in pandemic. Mm-hmm. I feel like he like just became just well, the sa- better and better and the better. The same kid that he was borderline neglecting on the Pick of Destiny tour was now old enough to be into YouTube. Yeah. And that's when he started the Jablinski Games channel yeah. and started making more viral content with his son. And so, like, he, and by this point, he had gone from, like, America's stoner buddy to cool uncle, which is the natural trajectory of all stoner buddies. Totally. And I think they both kind of got that vibe. Like, they both kind of shot into, especially with the most recent songs, uh, the Spicy Meatball song, and especially video games, which is all about how they don't play video games, then they (laughs) clearly, obviously, play a ton of video games, and the music video is just wonderful and perfect, and a million different video game references. You know, they, they've they just really completely fully ascended to like comedy legend status to full on absolutely beloved by by all. So I wonder if they would get more opportunities in the future. But what's cool is I think that they're like they found, if nothing else, like full self-acceptance. I think that like. Kyle and and Jack Black, especially if you listen to them, that Audible series especially, you get this sense that like they're happy with their story. Mm-hmm. They all have never been closer as a duo. The D will never die. It's a very beautiful thing, and I I, I love that they you know they had to s- suffer these hardships and really face these things that you don't think about. You're like, man, these guys are living the dream. They're up there performing for all these people, and they can't be stopped. And then you you know you watch that documentary, you listen to the Audible series, and you learn about the the breakdowns and the you know. The 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 trials, difficulties, not only trials, also tribulations. Hold also tribulations, and it's not all fun and games. And it's not just silly schlubby guys rocking I mean, the fuck out. <laughs> it's very funny watching. Like it's still very fun. I definitely want to see them live as soon as I can after doing this episode. Yes, I really same. want to feel this connection to this music and their journey. But like if the old joke and like if Tenacious D in 1996 was like looking at Jack Black and being like, where does he get all this energy watching Tenacious D in 2023? <laughs> he's working, man. Yeah. He is breathing. He is still doing some it's tumbles and it is affecting. It's a lot. I Just a quick shout out to John Konecki. And John Spiker, who were originally brought on as a talent that like Kyle Gass found while he was doing tours with his side project Trainwreck, uh-huh. who then got up, became part of their live band. Kineski uh, has worked on a lot of their albums. He's worked on a lot of Kyle Gass side projects. He's there for the Guitarings web series that Gass has done and is like a very essential part of the crew as well. And his contributions over the years shouldn't be just flat out ignored. Um, just, just, just before we forget, and there's a true tenacious D fan that's like, you can't believe you denied Kineski his vital role. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, Jake, I have a final quote. Is there anything you want to say before as we wrap this up? No, man. I just, I am so glad the D is still here. I, it's this was a much more human and interesting story than I thought it was going to be when we sat down mm-hmm. and decided to do it. Absolutely. The the transition, like there's something really magical about how the the bit, the original bit of get a load of these guys who think they're musicians. And how over the years, these shows are now like full on revivals and people truly love these songs 
is incredibly fascinating and incredibly beautiful. Totally. Uh, here's my quote. And then uh, at the end, April, if you could take us out with, I would say, the Ballad of Hollywood Jack mm. and the Rage Cage. Uh, but we'll do that after we do the plugs and all that. Here's my final quote from Jack Black. That's been central to our comedy this whole time, saying that we're the greatest band in the world. But truth be told, there's always a little tiny bit of us that does think we are the best. And I think John Lennon said it, didn't he? That if you don't think that you're the best band in the world, then there's no point in doing it. I think there's a truth to that, that whether or not you are, it doesn't even matter if you're any good. You need to think that you're potentially the best ever of all times just to fucking get out of bed in the morning. Love it. Uh, hey, uh, also, uh, that, and that is our episode on Tenacious D. Uh, if you'd like to support us further, patreon.com forward slash whizbrew. You can get for $5 a month uh, weekly bonus episodes from Jake and I, along with um, ad-free episodes uh, on the from the main feed, uh, pre-sales for our tickets. That's right, we're on tour. Uh, it is lastpodcastnetwork.com to get tickets. Uh, that is, uh, we'll give you links to all of our shows. So come check us out. We're doing the Rust Belt soon. We probably will have already done it when this comes out. Uh, We're doing the Southeast soon. It's going to be a great time. So check us out there. uh, And check me out on Twitch. Twitch.tv forward slash Holdenators Ho. That's Twitch.tv forward slash Holdenators Ho. I am streaming Monday through Friday, usually when I'm not on the road. Always a good time. Please check it out. Jake! Follow me on Twitter at Best Jake Young, on Instagram at Best Jake Young, and yes, on threads at Best Jake Young. <laughs> I'm a threader, Holden. Wow. I'm a goddamn threader. New plug. I hate the Thinja Turtles. <laughs> I'm, a th- I'm the threader. New plug. Also, check out my uh, VTuber channel on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Puppet Jared. The flagship stream is the Cartoon Dumpster uh, every Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern, except when I'm not on tour. Uh, we watch weird retro cartoons, make fun of them. Yeah, people submit weird retro commercials, and it's just a giant comedic nostalgia blast in the face. All right. Uh, so please enjoy that. And uh, also, hey, I know Holden mentioned the Patreon. Give it a look. See, we have a. If you're enjoying this podcast, think of all the good podness you're missing on the bonus feed. You can only get it through Patreon. Check it out. It helps us live. Yes. And always remember, never stop bruising. And keep on rocking. This is the ballad of Hollywood Jack and the Rage Cage. Nothing could stop him when tables and rage hit the stage. And Hollywood Jack hit the big time and went to make movies Rage Cage was left far behind in the dust of his dreams This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. 
See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.